the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you want to know how to be a servant, we're going to look at that this morning. These are the qualities we need to to see developed in, in us. Why? Because servants don't have time for bickering. Servants don't get into disagreements to the point of disharmony in the church. Servants are too busy serving others to quabble about nothing issues. Servants aren't involved in church splits and divisions. Servants just serve. So this morning we want to be very practical. We want to look at the marks or qualities of a servant. When it comes to servanthood, none of us can say we have that down pat. I know I sure have room for improvement. Today on Verse by Verse, pastor teacher Steve Kreloff will continue teaching from the second chapter of Philippians about unity in our churches. Even though we all can be better servants, there have been some powerful examples at various times in history. Moses was one great illustration of servant leadership. Of course, the Lord Jesus was the ultimate picture of a willing servant. There is a more recent example, and Pastor Steve will tell us about that today as he introduces us to the essentials of servanthood. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving in that capacity since 1981. Now his messages make the leap from the pulpit to your radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. If you are a Christ follower, you probably want God to use you. At least, I hope you do. You might have great expectations or modest ones, but you say, God, please use me for your kingdom. And maybe God is not using you, and you wonder why. Well, there may be many reasons, and it could just be that the timing isn't right yet. Or it could also be that you are not ready Let's open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, as we get ready for class. That's where Pastor Steve will begin today, and he will also tell us about a real-life example of what amazing things God can do with an otherwise average person who will submit to Him and serve others. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We continue our study of Philippians. We're at verse 17. We want to look at verses 17 and following to verse 24. Paul writes, Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. And you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go for me. But I trust in the Lord or Lord willing is the thought that I myself also 
shall be coming shortly. I mentioned a moment ago about attending Bible college. The Bible college that I attended is called the Moody Bible Institute. It has been in existence for over a hundred years. It was founded by the most famous evangelist of the last century, D.L. Moody, Dwight Lyman Moody. Now, some of you may not be familiar with D.L. Moody, but he really was the name uh, evangelist of his day and age. When you enter the Moody Bible Institute, you receive a book, a biography of, of D.L. Moody that uh, all incoming freshmen must read, or you are very quickly an outgoing freshman. And so you have to read this book. And it's a delightful book. There have been many books written about D.L. Moody, and this one is at the level of college freshmen, so they can figure it out. And uh, as you read this book and, and are exposed to this man, uh, at least this was my experience, I came to very quickly realize that God had used D.L. Moody in a far greater way than he uses most people or has used most people. And uh, not only did God use Mr. Moody to win many, many people to the Lord Jesus Christ, but uh, the man was instrumental in the early founding or at least the early growth of the YMCA movement, the early Sunday school movement, the missionary student volunteer movement, the Bible conference movement. He discovered many uh, good and well-known Bible teachers. They're well-known now. We read their books now, but then they were, they were working in small areas and hardly anyone had heard about them. Men like G. Campbell Morgan, who is known as the, the Prince of Expositors, uh, men like F.B. Meyer and, and other great men who we think of now as always being out there and everybody knew about them, but no, Mr. Moody brought them to his Bible conference in, uh, in the New England area in the summer months, and he would expose them to hundreds, if not thousands, of people. From his Bible Institute, literally thousands have graduated and, and served the Lord today on the mission field as pastors, as teachers, as, uh, as leaders in local churches. Uh, even after his death, God has seen fit to bless the efforts of D.L. Moody. Uh, many of the ministries that he started have now expanded into other ministries to the point where the, that the name Moody is known around the world as more than a temperament. I remember when I went to the Institute and they had these sweatshirts, I never wanted to get one that would just say Moody on it, lest people think that reflects how I feel. But I always wanted Moody Bible Institute. But the name Moody in evangelical circles is known around the world. Uh, there's Moody Monthly Magazine, Moody Radio Broadcasting, Moody Press, Moody Science, Moody Aviation. Even in our own backyard, Moody Keswick Radio and Bible Conference and School. Now, this is not an advertisement for Moody Bible Institute. I just want you to understand that God has seen fit to use D.L. Moody in a magnificent way. And the question that, uh, that I pose here, one that I have thought about, is why? Why did God use D.L. Moody like that? And can God use us like that? But why did God use D.L. Moody in such an incredible way? Well, let me tell you why he did not use him. It certainly was not because of his great theological education. D.L. Moody had a fifth grade education. He was basically an uneducated layman, an unordained man who uh, once sold shoes. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with selling shoes. There's nothing wrong with having a fifth grade education. There's nothing wrong with being unordained. But the point is that he wasn't a, a scholar in the sense of what we think a, a scholar is. He wasn't. It wasn't because of his great theological education. It certainly wasn't because of his captivating voice. You may not know this about Mr. Moody, but he was high-pitched, they tell us, and he butchered the king's English. Butchered the king's English. Um, he often said the word ain't. 
Uh, now I suppose it's in dictionaries that it's acceptable. It still bothers me, but uh, I, I think then it especially bothered people. Not only that, he made the words Daniel, Jerusalem, and Mesopotamia into one-syllable words. Now that's challenging. You think about that, especially Mesopotamia. That's hard. It's, it is said that uh, you may wonder, how does he know so much about Tiananmen? Remember, I had to read the book, and I've read other things, and you can't go through the school without hearing a lot about D.L. Moody. But it is said that when he would come to a portion of Scripture, he would be reading Scripture publicly, he'd be preaching on something, there were many words that he just couldn't pronounce. And so he would stop, he'd pause, he'd say a few comments about the previous passage, and then he'd skip over the word and go back and just keep reading, and nobody would know the difference. Apparently some knew the difference, because we know it as an anecdote today. It, it, God used him, but not because he came from a godly home, had a wonderful Christian heritage. He did not. He was baptized at an early age into the Unitarian Church. The Unitarian Church denies the Trinity. It is not a gospel-preaching church. It is not a Bible-believing church. But he... Uh, he was raised, by the way, in New England. He came to Boston as a young man to make his, his uh, mark on the world and to uh, make a lot of money. And, and in Boston, he finally uh, came to a Bible-teaching church. He was in Sunday school. The teacher said, I, I want you to look up uh, something in the Gospel of John. There were snickers throughout the Sunday school class because they realized he was looking in Genesis, didn't know where John was. It wasn't even close. You really can't get a whole lot further from John than Genesis. He was converted in the back uh, room of a shoe store, converted to Christ uh, by his Sunday, his Sunday school teacher. And a Sunday school teacher led him to Christ, and then he began to attend church, and he applied for church membership. And they said to him, what has Christ done for you that would uh, give you entrance into his family? You know what he said? He said, there are so many wonderful things that Christ has done for me, I can't think of one in particular. That's not the answer you want to give when you're applying for church membership. He was rejected. He was turned down for church membership. On one of the people uh, on that committee, that membership committee which rejected him, said this. He said he seldom met an applicant for membership who seemed more unlikely ever to become a Christian of clear and decided views of gospel truth, still less to fill any sphere of public or extended usefulness. Finally, let me say that he was greatly used by God, but not because he had Hollywood good looks. He did not. Uh, you see pictures of D.L. Moody today. He was um, not a very attractive-looking man. He was five foot eight and 280 pounds. I confess that I have not read that book on Moody, but I have read about him here and there. I also have heard a recording of his voice. There is one I found on the Internet. I also heard it on the radio several years ago. That is apparently the only recording of D.L. Moody in existence. Let me tell you, he was no James Earl Jones. When Pastor Steve said that Moody did not have a pleasant voice, that was quite an understatement. I can only think of one reason people listened to him. God compelled them to hear what he had put in Moody's heart. So if Moody was uneducated, unattractive, and had a voice like chalk going the wrong way on a blackboard, why did God use him so mightily? We will get back to that in just a moment. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
Hi, this is Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse Radio. I want to thank you for listening to these broadcasts. We appreciate your faithful support of this ministry. And I, and I want you to know that um, recently I've written a book about romance and marriage. It's called The Pleasures of Marriage. It's a verse-by-verse exposition of the Song of Solomon. I think it'll help your marriage. I think it'll strengthen marriages. I think it will uh, also help those who are singles, who are preparing to get married or hope someday to get married. This book is available on Amazon.com. And once again, it's called The Pleasures of Marriage. As a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that Verse by Verse needs your financial support, and we appreciate your financial support. It's costly to prepare these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you and strengthen you as you listen to him speak, verse by verse. It's time to get back to class. Let me share a verse with you as we think about D.L. Moody. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9 says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Now, here is Pastor Steve with the rest of today's class. Story is told that uh, I believe I have the facts correct, that a young girl ran away from his Sunday school uh, class one day, and she just ran out the door. Mr. Moody ran after her. She ran down the block. He ran after her. She ran up a flight of stairs. He followed her. She ran into her room. He followed her there. She went under the bed. He could not fit. (laughs) Five foot eight, 280 pounds. Now, the question is, why did God use D.L. Moody? It was not because of, of these elements that we tend to think must be in an evangelical leader. Solid education, good looks, a great voice, charisma, um, all of these things. You could throw them right out the door when, when it comes to D.L. Moody. Let me tell you why God used Moody. Now, I understand that it's God's sovereignty, but in addition to God's sovereignty, he used D.L. Moody because he was a humble consecrated servant. I tell you that not as one who claims to be the expert on Mr. Moody, but as one who has read about him in more than one book, one who has heard many stories about D.L. Moody. And my conclusion after years of thinking about this man and being exposed to his life was that he was simply a humble, consecrated servant. And because of that, God used him. God used him. Very humble. He was once introduced in England And uh, with great pomp and dignity, the man introducing him said, and we have from, uh, we have with us today our American cousin, the Reverend D.L. Moody. And Moody just got up and he said, listen, I'm not your American cousin. He said, I'm your brother in Christ and I'm not the Reverend Moody. He said, I'm just plain old D.L. Moody. Now, that was the spirit of the man. That was the humility of the man. No pomp, no exaltation. No airs about him. That was his humility. But his consecration is a very well-known story. 
story, and, and there's more to it than this, but just the desire of consecration. He obviously had a very deep working of the Spirit of God in his life. But the story is told that a friend uh, of his and he were looking out the window one day, a friend by the name of Henry Varley, and uh, Henry Varley just made this sort of off-the-hand comment to, uh, to D.L. Moody. He said, Moody, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man who is totally yielded to him. The story goes that when D.L. Moody heard that, he said to Varley, he said, Varley, by the grace of God, I'll be that man. And I think he was. I think he was. God greatly used him. He served people because he was yielded to the Lord as his servants. He put others first because before his own needs, because he was a servant. To this day and age, there has never been a student who has attended the Moody Bible Institute who has had to pay tuition. Because D.L. Moody established the school to serve those who could not afford to go to seminary, those who could not afford other schools. And so you pay for room and board, and it gets expensive in Chicago, but you have never had to pay if you're a student there for tuition. He also founded what is known today as Moody Press, but back then it was known as the Cole Portage uh, library. And the Cole Portage Library were thin, uh, little thin books that you can buy very inexpensively. They're the forerunners to uh, the pocket books, Christian pocket books today. And the reason he did that is because not everybody can afford big, weighty theological books. You see, that was the heart of the man, always looking to serve others. Now that leads us into Philippians chapter 2, because for the last few weeks we have had an opportunity to discover some important truths about servanthood in connection with church unity and harmony in the church. It goes together. When you think of chapter 2 of Philippians, you must think of harmony and unity in the church and servanthood as it connects to that. In chapter 2, uh, verses 3 and 4, Paul has exhorted the Philippians on servanthood. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So he's exhorted them to, to do that, and then... A few verses after that, he gives them the perfect model of servanthood, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, he says, which was also in Christ. And he explains what we call the kenosis or the humiliation of Christ or the emptying, literally the emptying of Jesus Christ. He has told them also how to put this obedience into action. In verse 12, he says that we are to uh, work out your salvation. That is to say, bring it out. Don't be intimidated and overwhelmed by the, by the example of Christ. You can obey. You bring out what God has put in you. You mine out the nature of Christ. And just so we don't, get, we don't become imbalanced about that, he says in verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to, and to work for his good pleasure. That is to say, it is effort, but it is not human fleshly effort. You do your best. Your responsibility is to obey, and God's responsibility is to work in your life by his word to give you the desire and the willingness and, and to work out the salvation that he's put in you. It's God who is at work, and he gives us the grace and the help to, to be servants and to live in harmony amongst ourselves. And then he's told us in verse 14 what to do specifically. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Remember ganguzmoi. Don't grumble. Don't ganguzmoi. Don't grumble. Don't complain, but get along with one another because this is the way servants are. And then in verses 15 and 16, he's told us the purpose 
for uh, unity in the church, and that is evangelism, that you prove yourselves, verse 15, to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. You You and I are the only lights as far as people go that they see, holding fast the word of life. That is to say, we are to hold out. I believe it should be translated holding out the word of God, not clinging to the, to the truth of Scripture, although that's true. But his point here is that you shine as a light and you hold out the word of God. And as they see your unity and they see your harmony, people ought to take note in the community that, hey, these people love one another. There might be something to this Christianity. So the purpose is, is for evangelism. Now, beginning in verse 17, Paul puts all of this aside and he puts himself, in a sense, on display. And he says, if you want to know the way a servant behaves, look at me. And then he includes Timothy. Now, he is not saying that in an arrogant way. He's not praising himself. That would be just the opposite in a passage on humility to say, hey, look at me. Like I've said many times about the person who wrote the book, Humility and How I Attained It. Paul is not, think about that. Paul is not saying that. He is, he is not saying, hey, I've written the book. I'm the, I'm the standard in my own strength. But what he is saying is follow me as I follow Christ. What he's saying in essence is God has done a work in my heart. God is, has molded me to be something of a model for you as far as a servant. I've learned. I have been taught by the Lord and, and I can reflect Christ and you need to follow my example and Timothy's example. You see, it is possible to be overwhelmed by the example of Jesus Christ, to say, well, he's God. Who can possibly be humble like him? But you know what? You don't need to be overwhelmed by the example of Paul because he was just a man. And Timothy was just a man. And if these men can be servants, then certainly you and I can because they're made of the same flesh that we are. So from his own life and ministry and Timothy, Paul is now going to draw out principles of servanthood. If you want to, if you want to know how to be a servant, might be something this morning. These are the qualities we need to to see developed in in us. Why? Because servants don't have time for bickering. Servants don't get into disagreements to the point of disharmony in the church. Servants are too busy serving others to quabble about nothing issues. Servants aren't involved in church splits and divisions. Servants just serve. So this morning, we want to be very practical. We want to look at the marks or qualities of the servants. Very practical. Some of these things you've heard before. Some of these things will be new. They will all be related. There's nothing here that is astounding. It's just you get the impression that that the Spirit of God really wants to hammer these truths home, right? We've been dealing with this for weeks and weeks now, and you might wonder when are we going to be off this when the Spirit of God moves us off of it. We're just going verse by verse because this is a key issue. I was with some seminary students this week as I took a class, and I was uh, the teacher said uh, we were sitting around lunch, and the teacher asked something, and I thought it would be appropriate to share some things that I have discovered in Philippians 2, and uh, was talking about servanthood and, and not being consumed with ourselves and being interested in others. And one of the seminary students turned to me and said, that is so hard. We need to hear it. We need to hear it again, and we need to keep hearing it. You never stop and say, I've arrived at servanthood, and I don't need to hear this anymore. No, none of us has arrived yet. As that seminary student said, servanthood is hard. It requires self-sacrifice, what the Bible calls dying to self. 
While we cannot say we really have a handle on service, we should still be able to see how we are progressing as we grow in this area of our walk with God. In the next verse-by-verse, -verse, Pastor Steve will continue our lesson on servanthood and church unity by sharing with us some of the identifying features worn by servants. Thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is taking us one verse at a time through the second chapter of the book of Philippians. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. At Verse by Verse Ministries, we believe that his expository or verse by verse teaching style is the best way to learn the whole Word of God. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you. If you would like to hear today's lesson again, point your web browser to versebyverseradio.org. We have today's class as well as many previous ones available for downloading or listening online. Once more, that's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear the entire message from which today's class was taken, you can order an audio CD. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. While I said earlier that servanthood is hard and it requires dying to self, I think you will find that it's worth it. The rewards are well worth the price, as we will see next time on Verse by Verse. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.